What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Chord Chronicles. And we didn't have an episode last week. Yeah, that... And I apologize for that. <laughs> that was my fault. I had a horrible allergy attack. It was both our faults. <laughs> <laughs> we just had a lot going on, guys. We did miss out on a couple really good albums, talking about them at least. We didn't miss li- out listening to them. We both listened to them, but... Whew, it's been a week, and... <laughs> you remembered it better, you know, than I did because I've just had a lot. It's been a really hectic, like that last week and this week already. But I'm gonna let you talk about, you know, a couple of the albums that we really didn't get to go into. And <clears throat> I don't think I don't think I can give stars, honestly. I mean, I could look at the songs, but like especially one of them. You know, like one of the artists, I, I you know, before you, I don't want to like spoil it before you get into them, but you know, one of the artists, I just, you know, that one, one of the albums, I know I could look at two of the songs, like the first one and last one, I think is the weather where they were placed, but I don't remember, I don't remember much of the album. It was good. I just, it was good, but I don't remember, honestly, That's fine. <laughs> which is terrible. I know I can, I can I score know. it for both of us. So. I don't mind. So. <laughs> But if your uh, if your stars are egregious, we might have issues because I know they were both exceptional albums. I do remember that, but you know I don't remember enough to say whether they were anywhere between four. They're between four and five. I, can, I will say that, but I can't be fair and give them stars or anything like that and be fair about it. But anyway, I'm just gonna let you talk real quickly about the two albums that we really wanted to get into last week i mean there were other good albums my jeff's just jamming album was really good from an artist that has a special place in my heart but i may put that at the end of some episode or whatever because it got recorded <laughs> but i'm not going to edit it i'm not going to edit it it's going to sound weird somewhere it's, it might just be placed somewhere but yeah we'll just see about that but I, it was a, it was a good album but anyway I'm going to step aside and let you talk about these, you know, the two albums we really wanted to get into. And then when you're done with that, we'll get into week 33. All right. I will mention, we actually, there were three albums that we both listened to last week, but one of them I am not really going to go into. It was Woody Shaw, and it's a jazz album. He's a trumpeter, so we don't really have a lot to say about those. Do you have something? I I will say one thing about the Woody Shaw. After a while, and I know he's the trumpeter, but after a while when he settled down, once he let the other members actually get going, like the, the bass guitar, once it got a good groove going, and I, I, you know, I, I'm not looking at the Woody Shaw album right now, but the drummer, once those guys started really getting a good groove going, if he would just punctuate just a little bit, I mean, I'm try, trying to tell the man who is the musician how to do it, you know, his work, but it would be more enjoyable to the ear if he would just punctuate things sometimes because the first part of that album is unbearable at first. Like, I'm just straight up and I, I, I don't hate jazz, but it and like stuff like that makes me hate jazz. There are like four horns. I think it, I thought it was three, but I believe it to be four. And there are like four horns at once and going like against each other. It's almost like they're having a conversation, but they're in a crowded room and they're trying to talk over one another. 
and the other, you know, the bass guitar is still going and the drums are still going and, and everything's going on. But it's not smooth. It's just abrasive. And maybe it was meant to be that way, but it's in anxiety inducing. <laughs> and it will give you anxiety if you listen to it. If you suffer from anxiety, I guarantee it. Because it had me on the edge. And I'm like, look, just get on with it. But anyway, yeah, that one- it wasn't a bad album. Yeah, once you get past that, it's it's, it's pretty good. But yeah, anyway. It got a mid-level score for me. It's jazz, and that's hard for us to review. You know, and it was a weird one. It was, it wasn't the fun, dancey sort of jazz that you hear on the street corner in New Orleans, but it also wasn't cool jazz. It was somewhere in between those, so just kind of weird. But I'm not going to go into that one, like I said. The ones I do want to talk about, they both actually came out on the same day. They came out August 14th, 1971. So, <laughs> a very good day for music. The first one I'm going to mention, I only have just a little bit to say about it. It was Al Green. I love Al Green. And the album was Al Green Gets Next to You. Yeah, I was excited for it because I do love Al Green and I knew that my favorite Al Green song of all time was on this album, So Tired of Being Alone. It's actually one of my favorite songs ever. I love that song. So I knew that I was probably going to like the album. And I did. It was good. It was catchy. Just really enjoyable. So Tired of Being Alone was the standout track off of it. But... The only thing I didn't like on it was the cover of Light My Fire that he did. That was weird. <laughs> it was... I didn't think it was bad per se, but I definitely would have preferred just a straight cover. It was almost unrecognizable. So, didn't care for that one. <clears throat> but... <clears throat> yeah, um, no. Not not a fan of that. I do remember that. Yeah. Now that you brought that up. <laughs> it was... It was like he was trying to be different about it. And like make it his own, but he didn't need to make that song his own. It was already such a big hit, and it's ingrained in everyone's ears. Maybe try to follow the the song structure a little bit, even if you stretch it out a little bit. Yeah. But he was trying to really stretch it out and get <laughs> let it breathe, and it wasn't right. And <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't fo- hardly follow it. I was like, Nah, this is not right. The the groove isn't even right in this. I that's the only song I remember not being just. You know, that stood out as being, oh, this is not good. I wish he hadn't put this on here. Yeah. Yeah, I agree about that one. I don't think, you know, other than the chorus, I don't think I would have even recognized it if I hadn't already looked at the track list and seen it on there. But the rest of the album was good. You know, I didn't add anything new to my playlist, but obviously there was one song that was already on my playlist. So I gave that one a, a strong four. I probably would have given it four and a quarter if I could, but we don't do that. So I did, you know, round down and gave it just four stars, but it's a strong four. I really enjoyed that one. Not as much as I enjoyed the last album that we listened to last week, though. That one was huge. And probably all I have to say is the title of the album, and everybody's gonna know. But... The last album that we listened to last week was Who's Next by The Who. I knew going in that it was going to be a great album. And then it... Probably the lowest I was going to score it was four and a half. 
<laughs> I knew that without even listening, just from looking at the track list. So, I wasn't super biased. I just knew that it was going to be good. Yeah. So, really the only question for me was how excellent it was going to be. Because I'd never listened to the album as a whole. I just knew several of the songs. So, I'd really been looking forward to that one for months, too. That's a huge album. I did want to mention... What I didn't know was the album actually started as another concept album, another rock opera that Pete Townsend had been working on as a follow-up to Tommy, which sadly we did not get to review because it came out in 1969, but that follow-up didn't happen, so they used the music for this instead. You know, this album has all the, well, maybe not all, but a lot of the huge songs. Baba O'Reilly. Great song. I love that rock sound. It just hits. And the violin really works in it. And there were a couple of songs that I didn't know that I knew. <laughs> I knew them, I just didn't know their, their names. Like, Bargain. I know that. The song is over. I knew that one. That one had really good drums. I don't often mention drums because they don't stand out to me most of the time, but kudos to Keith Moon on that one. Synth, too. Um, Behind Blue Eyes. It's a great song. And the final track, Won't Get Fooled Again. <laughs> I mean, it's just a great rock song. The opening, it's one of the best ever. And that scream, it's just great. You know, the ones I didn't mention are also good, but, you know, I just named four huge songs. I think four. But I never really thought of myself as a huge Who fan. Like, I liked them, but I wouldn't have listed them in my top, top bands. But I did really enjoy this album. And I did want to mention there were some pretty big co-stars, or guest stars on it as well. You know, Leslie West of Mountain was on the album. Al Cooper, who I reviewed last year, was on it. Um, well, he wasn't on this version, but he was on an alternate version of Behind Blue Eyes. And Nicky Hopkins, who was with Quicksilver Messenger Service. He was the piano player, and he played piano on two of the songs on here. So, I did want to give them credit. But, yeah, I thought this was a great album. And I wasn't entirely surprised... I gave that one five stars. You know, it. I just really, really enjoyed that album. So I have to step in and give it four point five. <laughs> Not a five star album. Four and three quarter. It was five stars I for me, to... but Luke gave it. Yeah. I think Luke only gave it four. <laughs> it's yeah. I was gonna be say four, but I felt mean. <laughs> Yeah, I, I like the like the big songs. I do like those, but the other stuff I thought there were like two filler songs. It wasn't like excellent all the way through, I, and it's not bad. Even when it's the Who filler songs, it's it's good. Don't get me wrong; they're all excellent musicians, but they didn't stand out like some of those others. And maybe the the power of those other songs outshine the others for me. And that's what it did, you know was. But I do yeah. remember, you know, I I only remember. Like really, the like what Bobo O'Reilly and then won't get fooled again. That's the two songs that I really know. 
that's the first and last. I'm not looking at the track list right now. Yeah, it is. But I know there were there were a couple. I remember a couple other ones that were that were standout that I that sounded like maybe I had heard them before. I, I'm not I'm not a huge Who fan. I, I like once again I, I did like that this album, but I'm not. I always thought they were. I'm gonna make some people mad. I always thought they were a little bit overrated in some ways. Because this is the album. It, we'll see. We'll see. But this is the album. Now, what else? You know, what other songs? Because I don't, you know, know of another album that has this many. Yeah. I mean, like, I can't there were put just them, so many. I can't put them week. next to. Yeah, I, well, I, you know, and I can't put them next to even someone like Credence. The Credence album had more hits than this song. This album. It did. That's it a did. fair point. I just you know, you really, know, so really that's why I can't it. go. You know, and I did too. So I mean, I felt unfair giving it four, but yeah, I th- I'll say four and a half. How about that? Deal. I don't think it's five. <laughs> I, it, it's four. It was four stars for my for me at my enjoyment, and a half star bump I gave it for the production. <laughs> but you know, I did listen to remastered because that album's there's like <laughs> there were like like I think there were like eight different versions or well, or something just ridiculous. It's a huge album. So yeah. it's going to be remade you know, every few years, period. But there wasn't a whole lot of fanfare for the 50-year anniversary of this al- of that album, though. I didn't see much of anything. And then I saw an article talking about the lack of you know, fanfare. So maybe everyone else wasn't feeling like the vibe of music last week. Maybe it's just everything. <laughs> There's a little bit of unease around everyone. I, I don't know. But, you know, I'm going to... I'm gonna get going on this week. We don't have a solo any solo segments this week. Basically, we just had a Amy's All Alone, which is me cutting in just a little bit, but not much. <laughs> I I can't. I, I didn't have the track list in front of me, and I I just unless I went back and listened, and I just didn't have time before we recorded to to be fair about if I looked at the track list. I think I remember that song. <laughs> That's okay. Gosh, we, we pretty much so agree much anyway most of the time. Yeah, pretty much when it's good music. (laughs) (laughs) Well, those two were. The three albums that we are going to talk about, as we get the puppy puppy feet prancing around here. But um, we have three albums this week. They all came out. We don't have the release day of them, but we do have the month. So they're all August of 71. We're still in that pocket. (laughs) We don't know. We're just going to say they came out this week. And go with it. Everyone agrees? Yes. Okay. You're sure. Kingston with your puppy claws. Okay. All right. Speaking of puppy, well, in a way, <laughs> we have uh, our first artist that we're going to talk about is an artist that I, I like his earlier work. We're just going to say that for right off the bat. I was excited when I started reading about this album because I looked at the Wikipedia and started reading before I listened. So maybe that hurt me in a way because my expectations were exceptionally high for this album. Well, like I said, don't don't have a release day for it, but this album is Howlin' Wolf, and it's the London Howlin' Wolf Sessions. And the reason it's so special, obviously, because it's Howlin' Wolf, yeah, amazing <laughs> blues musician. I mean, blues. We've I've said it many times. It's my favorite style of music. Hands down, pants down, whatever, you know. 
But <laughs> the reason this album got me so excited because this is one of the first what's what's called a super session blues album, and basically you put like a blues master in this case Howlin' Wolf, and then you put a lot of like famous musicians that are doing that style of music, you know, with the older blues master, and. You know, I've been disappointed every time there's been like a, a bunch of the super all together, at least from this time frame. It has been a, a huge letdown every time. Well, I don't remember the name of the album, but we had, there was a really bad singer and he was a famous, he was like a, a outrageous actor or something from, from Britain. And he was with Jimmy Page and... And I can't remember. And Jeff I know, Beck. I know which one you're talking about, but I can't you know think what of I'm it talking either. About. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, you know what I'm talking about. Well, that that one, this album is not as not bad like that one was. Don't get me wrong. At least you you have Howlin' Wolf. But I think he had been sick. I think he had just gotten from you know through with being sick, and when he cut this album, I don't know that. But he does sound. He's not as. He doesn't sound as strong in my opinion, is maybe some of the, like, the earlier stuff, and maybe it's just age. He's getting, you know, he wasn't young here. So, and it could have been that, but the, the famous musicians on this album, I mean, it's a, a good list. You have Eric Clapton, politics aside, amazing guitarist, maybe a little bit overrated at times. Oh, I'm a little salty this week, I guess. I think <laughs> I some agree. of these guys are the but maybe a little bit more. Maybe he peaked with Cream and or Derek and the Dominoes. Maybe I mean that. Yeah, maybe Derek and the Dominoes album. He peaked, and then it was maybe a little bit of a downhill spiral. Don't know why. But anyway, we're gonna keep going. Eric Clapton, Steve Winwood, and I never. Whenever I think of Steve Winwood, I think of some of his later work. Eighties. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and I'm not gonna sing that. Sing the song that everyone knows, but that's what I really attribute Steve Winwood to, but he's an amazing musician as well, other than the 80s stuff that's just kind of poppy more, in a way. More pop rock. You know. Then you also have, but you also had on this album, Charlie Watts and Bill Wyman. And obviously, you know, Bill Wyman, Rolling Stones. And, hmm. You heard the name Charlie Watts before? <laughs> Rolling Stones. I mean, goodness, you know. So I, I, I thought this was going to be just a, a knock out of the park. But and I'd forgotten about the other super group album that we had already. And I believe we've already had another one as well that was like kind of like a super. Like there were a lot of really important musicians attached to the pro, the you know, the product or whatever. And it was not, not what we thought it was going to be. And it was not very good. But I can't remember what that one was either. But, Which says a lot that we don't remember it. Yeah, that's the problem with a lot, a lot of this album as well. It's not bad stuff, it, with the exception I was irritated because the, you know, they, I think they termed it as rehearsal. So they put a rehearsal of a track where Eric Clapton doesn't know how to play Howlin' Wolf's song. I mean, come on, you're getting ready to cut a track with a legendary blues musician you didn't go through and you're such a great guitarist, and you didn't go through and learn how to play the man's song before you're going to be playing it for him? Yes, well, he's an that idiot, That was ridiculous. So. 
Well, that was ridiculous to me. So that kind of turned me off for a second. I'm like, gosh, I, I don't, I'm not a big fan when you have a lot of studio chatter, unless it's made for that or or they're having fun maybe. But if they're just talking, you know, about this level needs to be changed or, you know, and he's trying to tell him how to play the song. Mm, not really something I care to listen to, especially if this was on vinyl. And a lot of times I try to approach this as someone who's listening to the vinyl. Even if I'm listening to a CD and I can skip it. You know, I'm trying to put myself in the, in that space where I couldn't skip that. You know, I've got to listen to that every time. So, you know, I'm just not a fan of them doing stuff like that. So it's, it's just a, a case of stuff like that throughout this album. It, nothing was bad. But nothing stood out, really. It's a good album, but not great. And, you know, there's not even a song, really, that that I would point out necessarily that was just amazing. Built for Comfort, it's, it, it, you know, it's pretty good. But, I mean, I was already familiar with it. But, just not, I don't know. It's, it just wasn't my, uh, my favorite. A lot of Willie Dixon songs on here, though. A lot of good songs. Just nothing really stood out. It's just a, a good blues album that should have been great. And that's really all I had to say about it. What do you think about it? I don't have a whole lot to add, because I pretty much agree with you. I had really high hopes for this one. I was really excited about it. <laughs> And it was, I don't want to say it was a disappointment exactly, but it wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be, or as good as I wanted it to be. Obviously, very good blues guitar. I mean, it's Hell and Wolf, so you know it's going to be really good blues guitar, and we both love that. I also noted it was really good harmonica in Sitting on Top of the World. And I don't remember who that harmonica was. It was not one of the big name people, but it was another guest musician. And Worried About My Baby also had good harmonica, and that one was Howlin' Wolf, I believe. That one also had some really good honky-tonk piano in it. So that song, um, Worried About My Baby, was probably my favorite off the album. But I'm gonna say it was good playing, but they weren't great songs the, you know the performance as a song wasn't great it just didn't grab me either the talent was there but just kind of eh. it was all pretty good and I wanted to score it highly going into it but you know I have to admit none of it really stuck out or stuck with me either so I can't go too high but that's all I have to say other than my score it's more of a case of how low can you go with this album? <laughs> no, not really. It, it's kind of it's kind of right there in the middle. This is one of the case of one of those albums that I just really wanted it to be. I mean, it should be like four and a half stars, like really just bordering on the five stars with as many musicians and everyone associated with this album. It should be five stars, really. But I was approaching it like it should be four and a half. I never go into one thinking it should be five because. I feel like that skews my my opinion toward an album. I'm like, oh, this is going to be five stars. And it, I'll make even a, a song that may not be the best fit into it. But anyway, this is one of those, it's just, 
it's good, but it's not, it's not great. I, I don't, I, I, will, I don't recommend it. I recommend Helen Wolf's earlier work. Really, I really do. You know, check out some of his earlier stuff. But for me, this is, I mean, it's three and a half stars. It's still okay. Uh, as bad as I'm sitting here bad mouthing it, but it, it's not. It, it should be four and a half. It should be another star better, but it's only three and a half. Would you give it? We are in agreement. I also gave it three and a half. I never expected to give this album three and a half stars, but that's what it earned. Now, <laughs> the next album we're going to talk about is an artist. I believe this is the very first artist that I listened to when we started the podcast. This was my first album was from this artist. And, I mean, I've never been a huge fan. I do think she has an amazing voice. And I thought the album we're getting ready to talk about, her voice was really nice on it. With And there's also the another awesome fact about the backing band. So, I'm just going to go ahead and say this is Barbara Streisand. And... I was anxious to hear it when I found out who the backing band was. <clears throat> Normally, I wouldn't be, you know, just rip roaring to listen to Barbara Streisand. <laughs> I've grown. Oh come to, on! But as, well, no, honestly though, as we have went through her albums, I actually like her work. But I, I kind of, you know, at the at the first, you know, for the first album, I didn't love it. But she's on a little bit of more of an upswing in her career right here. I think. I don't know. I haven't went through and followed Barbara Streisand. I haven't read her biography or anything like that. But I think she's having a little bit of a resurgence. In, well, like the last album that I reviewed of hers, I think I had it too. Maybe we both had it. I can't remember. But I liked it as well. And I think this album is really good. Not amazing, but, you know, maybe I'm just growing more accustomed to Barbara Streisand. But, I mean, this is her 13th album. So... I mean, it's hard to believe. Yeah, you know, I think she's, I think she still has, like, recently released a song with someone, Probably. Barbara Streisand, or did something. I mean, you know, how many albums did she release in total? I, it's got to be astronomical. <laughs> so, and we've always said, you know, quality over quantity sometimes. But I mean, she doesn't put out just terrible stuff. She hasn't gotten that Joan Baez strike. That one from like the one album that I thought should have been good, but was not. But we're not talking about that. This album, once again, came out August 71. And it's Barbara Jones Streisand. I mean, they're getting real creative with the names. But, I mean, the album cover isn't very creative either. It's just a picture of, of Bobwa. But, I really, I was surprised going into this when I started reading... You know the the song list that most of this is are cover songs. Most of the songs on this album, if not every song, it's a it's a, you know it's a cover song. A lot of it's Laura Nyro and I think there's a John a, a John Lennon song and a lot of Carol King, like a lot. And it's it's songs that were popular you know at the time. So she's taken songs like we've had artists other artists you know that, that do that and try to put their spin on it a little bit, but. She stays true to the work for the most part 
on this album. I mean, she didn't. It wasn't an example of um, light my fire. <laughs> Thankfully, <laughs> it, you know, yeah, it wasn't like that. I mean, I actually might like to hear Barbara Streisand do a version of light my fire in that style. That might be kind of cool, but <laughs> no. Okay, the, the the cool thing that I said was the interesting fact that I that I was excited about. The backing band behind Barbara on this are the members of Fanny. And I had Fanny album, what, uh, I think three episodes ago, maybe, or three weeks ago. Yeah, two or three. <laughs> I want to say three episodes <laughs> ago, yeah. But, oh, awesome album. If, you know, if, everyone be sure to check out the band Fanny. I know it sounds funny. You know, I love Fanny, but <laughs> I love that band. All female group. I think it's amazing. Um, I think I may have said Filipino at the time, but I, I, I go back and forth. I think they are um, a Vietnamese-American to their sisters. And I don't remember their names, but yeah, just a really good band. But, you know, I don't, I don't want to point out anything in particular, like song-wise. I thought her, her versions of the, like the Carol King stuff, while not as good as Carol King stuff, I thought she had she did pretty good work on it. And, and like, uh, let's see, I mean, beautiful. I thought she did a pretty good job on that. That starts the the, oh, the album. That opens the album. And I don't remember right offhand where you lead. That that's another Carol King song. So I can't remember her version. You know, Barbara's version right now. It's not coming to me. But I thought there were, you know, her, I thought her version of You Got a Friend was pretty good. It's not as good as Carol King's, in, in my opinion. But, you know, I, I I don't think there's a bad song on this album. There were quite a few singles. I will say that. Um, uh, let's see, Where You Lead. And on the B-side to it was Since I Fell For You. That, was, that came out June of 71. Then you had Mother... On the B side of it was the Summer Nose that was released. They don't have a date on that one. It's seventy one, and then Space Captain, and on the B side of that one it was One Less Bell to Answer, and then what? I don't. Maybe they had two songs on it. This has the way they have this listed: Space Captain, and then One Less Bell to Answer, and then A House Is Not a Home. Three songs. That was how that track was listed. It was. Uh, one less is bell it? to answer slash a house is not a home, but it okay, it just so sounded like one less bell to answer to me when I listened. But. Yeah, there were a couple a couple songs on here that are weird, like theme from the summer of '42, the summer knows stuff, you know, stuff like that. The album titles, I'm like, okay, but no, I thought the like, I thought her covers were like like the ones that I knew were covers. I thought that she did a really good job on it, and I was pleasantly surprised. I don't have really more to add, but I think this is one of the the better Barbra Streisand albums. If you're looking to get into Barbra Streisand, I say start with this one, honestly, where she's covering, you know, and you you may maybe know some of these other artists that you're a Carole King fan already. You've heard some of Carole King's songs and you like them. Maybe step into it like this, because this is, you know, this is pretty good. Pretty good production, too. And I, I believe... The one song that's not a cover that I knew wasn't a cover is a song that came out later. I thought it was a cover, but it wasn't. It's a Steely Dan track. And I'm, I'm trying to look and see 
which one it was. I mean to shine. Yeah. It was uh, first. It was before Steely Dan. Steely Dan became Steely Dan. It was just Donald Fagan and Walter Becker. And they didn't even issue their first record until the following year. So, like, I guess Barbara recorded it first. But that was the only one. I thought it was a cover, but it wasn't. So, it was, but it's... <laughs> kind it of. came out before their... Before, you know, <laughs> whatever. But, it was a cover um, before the really fact. Much more. Yeah, I don't really have much more to add. It's just, this was a pleasant... Yeah, a pleasant surprise. I, th- I thought it was a pretty good album. But, you know, what did you think about it? Well, <laughs> as my cat gets up and jingles his collar bell, that's okay because my husband is sitting on the other side of the couch clicking his mouse the whole time we've been talking. Anyway. No, it was your <laughs> cat jing. It was your husband jingling his bell. Well, maybe. <laughs> no. While you were talking, I Googled a couple of the things that you mentioned. Barbara did have an album that just came out like a week and a half ago, and it's in like the top 10 right now, along with George Harrison, the re release of All Things Must Pass. So, <laughs> you know, the 70s are the best. Well, we always say that. It's true. It, it was, you know, Barbara's is some older stuff, but not all. But she has had. Well, let me just read this from Wikipedia. Her discography consists of 117 singles, 36 studio albums, 11 compilations, 9 live albums, and 15 soundtracks. (laughs) She is very prolific. But we're only talking about one of them. It, I thought it was good. I was pleasantly surprised. I was not really looking forward to listening to this. And it was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. It was definitely better than the previous one that I listened to, which was the very first week that we did this, a little over a year ago. It does have a lot of covers, and it definitely has the show tune feel, but for me that's a good thing. I love musicals, I love show tunes. Um, Where You Lead is a song that I really love because it was the theme song to Gilmore Girls, which I watched the entire thing and really liked. I was really suspicious of that one going in, because I'm, I guess I'm sort of protective of the songs that I really like, but I was happy with it. I thought Barbara did a really good job on that cover. Not as good as the original, but I wasn't upset about it. I thought she did it justice, and she was true enough to the original. One Less Bell to Answer, I thought she did a really good job on. That's a song that we've reviewed before. And Mother, (laughs) actually these are all songs that we have reviewed before by the original artist. Mother, I thought was... I like like it better when, well I like Mother better when Danzig did it, but anyway. (laughs) Not exactly the same song. (laughs) Oh, come on, tell me it wouldn't be awesome to hear Barbara Streisand singing Danzig, covering Danzig. I'm not saying it wouldn't. Mother! (laughs) But no, I was really surprised by that one. I thought she did an amazing job on that one. So, that might be my favorite off of this album, which was certainly not what I would have thought going into this, but I thought she did a really good cover of that. I do knock the album down just a little bit for it being almost all covers. Not a lot. I mean, they're good songs, but 
it's not just that they're all covers, it's that it's a lot of songs that everybody and their mother and their uncle and their uncle's cat has covered. And we've reviewed these songs so many times that we're kind of tired of them. I did want something a little more than those same songs that everybody else has already covered, even if she did do a good job on them. But she did. She did a really good job on them, so I do have to give her credit for that. Yeah, and I didn't think I was going to say it, but I gave her four stars. That's really all I have to say. <laughs> well, What'd you give her? that works well for me, because I gave it three and a half, but it is a strong three and a half, and I was tempted to go four. I feel like it is three and three quarters. I bumped it down just a little because these covers aren't making my playlist. They're good, but not as good as the originals. But it was a strong three and a half, and ours together end up three and three quarters, which is what I feel like it is. Yeah, it might have been the best album of the week. Oh, definitely. Maybe. Maybe. I think so. <laughs> I don't remember what the, I gave the last one. I'll have to look at my notes as we review. <laughs> well, we have one last album, and... <laughs> I'm going to get this right out of the way. I know no one from whoever did the all music review is going to be listening to this podcast. But you, my sir, are ignorant. Ignorant. Comparing Tommy James to Elton John. What? <laughs> yeah. Go go read the review, everyone. I would rather not. And listen to how, how, how prolific Tommy James was. And he was just as good as Elton John and this and that. I was like, are you serious? No, 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 no. Wait, okay. what was the username? I'm, was it Tommy I, I, James himself? <laughs> possibly, maybe. But, no, I mean, I, I'm talking bad about Tommy James almost, but no, it's not that. He's a good, he's fine, he's a good artist, but he's no Elton John. That is, That was ridiculous when I read that. Because after I review albums, I like to go and just look at all the different places like Discogs and and... You know, all music's usually the last place I check because I laugh at the reviews most of the time. But, but anyway, I, I look more at the user reviews on all music. If it's user reviews, not the expert review, it has a little bit more credence with me because that's fans. And maybe a lot of times if it's someone that may just pick the album up and, you know, hey, that was pretty good. Something like that. So maybe I get some insight that maybe I missed. But... This is, like I said, Tommy James. And the album we're talking about is Christian of the World. It's pop rock. And probably my least favorite of the rocks. Even more so than soft. Because soft rock's okay. <laughs> Lots of good soft rock artists. Come on, Richard Marks, Brian Adams. Holding it down. But anyway. That's just a couple. But anyway. This is pop rock. And a lot of this, they're like an exploration of Tommy James' Christian faith, but wrapped up in a more user-friendly pop, more you know pop-friendly form. A lot of times, and I don't knock it for that. I'm fine with someone you know singing about their faith and doing whatever they want, but. A lot of these songs didn't hit with me, and maybe that's what it is. I don't identify as a Christian, so maybe subconsciously, like some of the words, I'm like, ah, yeah, maybe, I guess. But 
Now, I do like Dragging the Line. That was one of the big singles from this album. I did recognize that. And I believe I'm coming home. I think I recognize that as well. And it was a single. But I didn't recognize Adrienne. I know a girl named Adrienne. And I'm wondering if that's where they got the name. Because her parents are about that age. And Church Street Soul Revival. And it sounded a little bit like that. But this was a weird one for me. I guess weird wouldn't be the correct way of terming it. I guess that's not the nice way. It was odd though. It just, I could sense the little bit of, it was like, uh, I don't want to offend anyone, but I'm going to say it. (laughs) It was like the youth pastor trying to be cool a little bit. That was the whole vibe of the whole album. I mean, he's still playing like stuff from the 50s that are pop. It's popping away. Some of you are like, well, this is like, this sounds a little bit old. This is really, isn't that cool, man? <laughs> but he's playing that like, yeah, this is grooving kids, isn't it? I'm one of the cool ones, but it's, it's still good. But it's almost like it just didn't, it didn't hit for me. So maybe this is just a, another example of an album that just not for me. I don't know. I don't think it's bad or anything, but I didn't think it was particularly good either. And I laughed at the comparison to Elton John, which made me bump it down even more. But anyway, because I felt like I was being unfair. But <laughs> but I'm going to turn it over to you. After Since I've griped about Tommy James enough, it's, it's an okay album. This is his second solo album, and I don't remember from 1970 us having Tommy James. Maybe you did. Maybe. It seems vaguely familiar. I do... But I didn't go back and listen. No, me either. You know. (laughs) I do like Tommy James and the Shondells. They had some songs that I really enjoy. And one of those, I think, was a solo song of his. So, you know, I don't want to just sound like I'm trashing him. Because I I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that. But I do think it's a little bit funny that this is described as pop rock or as a more pop-friendly exploration of his his faith because it's missing the poppiness. You know, it just, there's not a lot to this. It kind of feels like they were phoning it in a little. <laughs> it was okay. It wasn't bad. I don't want it to sound like it was bad. It was just kind of meh, except for Dragging the Line. That is a great song. I really enjoy that one. I did already know it, and I would already have that one on my 70s playlist if I ever had time or energy to make one instead of just you know doing radio or other people's playlists. But that's the only part of the album that really grabbed me at all. The rest, just eh. I don't really have any comments to make about any of the other songs or the album as a whole, except... It felt really long. It wasn't. It was just over half an hour, but there were 13 tracks. They were all fairly short tracks, but they didn't feel as short as they were because they were just not that interesting. So the album as a whole felt a lot longer than it really was. Which is not a good thing. But it wasn't bad. That's the best I can say about it. No, it wasn't bad. wasn't great. 
probably the weakest album of the week of the three, in my opinion. But I still gave it three and a half stars. Because Dragon the Line is, it's a five star song. It probably is. I really like that song. It would definitely be on a 70s playlist for me. 71 for sure. But yeah, that, that, that song kind of pulled it up a little bit for me. But you, and I don't mean to trash Tommy James, because I think, I mean, he's probably a, a fine person. And his music's not bad. It just sounded like his older stuff and the Deshondells and stuff is, is more his peak. Maybe that's what it was. And he was like, he was like the, the cool, the older guy like me, you know, trying to be cool. But uh, <laughs> it was cringeworthy a little bit. And I could feel it radiating throughout it. So it was low energy. But yeah, th- for three, three and a half stars. So it's not bad. It's just not... It's not as good as the Barbra Streisand album. Wow. Never thought I'd say that. But anyway, what'd you give it? Yeah, I agree. It. He was trying too hard and just not quite hitting it. And normally an album with a song like Dragon the Line, it would, that song would qualify the album for at least four stars. But with this one, you know, I gave it the same as you. I gave it three and a half. And it would be three if it weren't for that song. So. Yeah, dragging the line and then dragging me down the rest of the album. But <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, and I guess it sounds terrible. Like I've been, like I'm just totally being negative, and I, I don't mean it like that. It just wasn't. When I think Tommy James and the Shondells, I thought it would be a little bit better, but it it wasn't. It it sounded like some Tommy James and the Shondells cast off songs. Like ah, go ahead and put that on your album. We don't need it. So, it sounded like a has-been. But, <laughs> I hate to say that, but it sounded bit. like a has-been. Yeah. And it looks like that's the last album that we have this week. I'm going to run through the stuff we have next week real fast for anyone who is listening along with us. We've been a little disjointed lately, and I apologize for that. But hopefully we'll be able to get back on track this week and next week and just keep going. Because the music never stops. Sometimes we do. <laughs> we try not to. But Yeah, sometimes it happens. But a little bit of burnout sometimes, guys. It's a lot of music. But next week, we're going to be talking about Fiddler on the Roof, which is a lot of various, you know, John Williams, Isaac Stern. That one is going to have to be something we watch. <laughs> you know, I can do that. I told you, I like musicals. Yeah. Have to do that, yeah. Probably have to do that to have the full experience of that. But we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about Smokey Robinson and the Miracles, One Dozen Roses. We haven't had any of that type of artist in a while, so I think that you know we probably need something like that. So that's going to be a welcome change. So, well, I mean, I'm going to say change, but a well, you know, like we haven't heard that in a while, so we were burned out really burn out for a while on the, what the temptations and the supremes the supremes and uh what all like of that that whole genre honestly because that was like every week we would have an album or every other week we would have an album from those artists it was insane I'm like what in the world but we haven't had that in a while so that's going to be a welcome change but yeah smoky robinson and the miracles one dozen roses 
And then finally, the last album that we'll both be listening to is The Pharaohs, The Awakening. That sounds familiar to me, but I don't know why. I don't know why I know of The Pharaohs. So maybe they had a song on this album that's going to be big. I don't know. So I'm going in blind to that one. We don't even have a release month for that one, honestly. That's just 1971. And we're going to, because we did not have our solo segments for this week, we've pushed them back to next week, guys. Because, oh, they're so great. (laughs) I am going to be talking about the Partridge Family Sound Magazine. And I think you're going to be talking about Lee Moses' Time and Place. So hopefully, hopefully those will both be good albums and we'll have a good week on, you know, of music for anyone that's listening along. And everyone, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Chord Chronicles. Sure, send us a message. Let us know, you know, suggestions for the podcast. If there's anything particular, like a segment you want us to do, if we've missed something or if you disagree. I mean, if you disagree, you're wrong. I'm just going to tell you that right off the bat. But, you know, we've listened to so much music now. We are, we've made the 10,000 hours. So what is it after 10,000 hours? You're an expert. <laughs> kind of there. But uh, don't mean to brag, but uh, I will brag. No, I'm just playing totally. Uh, you know, send us a message and let us know, you know, some things you'd like to some hear or whatever. But uh, I don't think I have anything else to add. You know, I'm not going to harp about masks and everything everyone knows what to do <coughs> get vaccinated and if you know yep vaccinations and you know everyone be careful with you with the kids because they're back in school and it's not getting any better <laughs> so hopefully for now they're in school but just everyone try to keep everyone say everyone else safe and be nice and listen to lots of good music and have a great week <laughs>